0: Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards, I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. We are here to help you enjoy life to its fullest. You know why? Because that's what Jesus came to do. And you know, uh, really, none of us have a ministry to do anything any differently than Jesus did. We are here to, to tell you what He did for you so that you can connect to Him for yourself and experience everything He has for you, which is always, always, always going to bring you to what the the King James calls the abundant life, or some some translations say life to its fullest. Uh, I'm telling you this, God wants you to have incredible lives. Matter of fact, today we're going to be talking about experiencing the glory of God. Man, I'm telling you, when you start talking about the glory of God, that's one of those words where just based on people's religious backgrounds, it can get crazy, you know, I've told this story many times over the years. I started a church out in a little rural area, and uh, it was a great little church, and, and people would come from everywhere. So a couple showed up, and they had come from Atlanta, and they had been members of Finnis Dake's church. Now, Finnis Dake is the uh, author of the Dake's Annotated Bible. And I'll tell you, for years, the Dake's Annotated Bible was one of the most uh, uh, sought out, mostly used books among spirit-filled believers. Uh, Finis Dake had a photographic memory and he was one of those guys that could quote any scripture in the Bible from memory. And, uh, and so he had, a gr- he had great uh, footnotes and great annotation in there. But, but these folks were kind of had a, you know, more of a old line Pentecostal background. So we had just built, we, we bought a garage, uh, uh, you know, an auto shop and we'd remodeled it. And we, were, and we got in there for our first service. And so we didn't have everything completed because in the roof of the garage, there were skylights. And so, and so we didn't have time to, to properly cover up those skylights. So when you got in the building and if you lowered the lights, back in those days, ceiling tile was not as thick as it is now. And this ceiling tile had kind of a red insulation on the back of it. And so if you shined light through it, that ceiling tile, it would have a red glow on it. And so, you know, we were having a meeting and it was in the summer. And uh, before the meeting began, we would we had we had wall lights and we would kind of soften the environment, cut the overhead lights off or turn on these uh, these wall lights. And, and we would just spend time praying and worshiping, uh, getting ready for, you know, getting ready for meetings. And so uh, one one night. You know, we were doing that because this was in the summer, so you know the sun wasn't going down until almost nine o'clock, and so we were having a meeting. Man, we were in there worshiping and praying; it was incredible. We were having a great time with God, and all of a sudden, this this woman jumps up and she starts saying. And she was kind of doing an old-school Southern Pentecostal style. The glory, the glory, the glory. And she was carried on in like. And so what happened was, she looked up and saw the red glow. Coming through the ceiling tile, it looked like the ceiling was on fire, uh, but it was just glowing. And man, as far as she was concerned, we had prayed down the glory of God. And uh, you know, when you think about the glory of God, and bless her heart, you know, I didn't, I didn't even have the heart to tell her, you know, what it was. I just, I just let her think that. I never, I never explained it to her. But you, when you think about the glory of God, you do tend to think about these kind of mystical things, or you think about how that uh, the cloud, you know, the glory cloud would, would manifest when Moses would go out into this tent and pray. And uh, uh, so, you know, we've got those kinds of things, or those kinds of thoughts about the glory of God. Now here's something I understand about the Bible, the language of the Bible, that everybody needs to understand. Everything in the Word of God is there for a functional reason. You know, every Hebrew word in its root form is a verb. In other, words, uh, in other words, it is something that must be put into application or it has absolutely no benefit in your life. So, <clears throat> so you know, when you think about the glory of God somebody some of these things, yes, there are these kind of abstract concepts of the glory of God, the greatness, the splendor, the majesty, you know, and all of these kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, based on how and why God even bothers to communicate things with us, it always gets back to how do we apply that? How does does that improve the quality of life of a human being here on planet Earth? So we have to ask the same thing about the glory of God. Now, now <clears throat> I remember the first time I ever searched this out in great detail, you know, and I found, all, I found pages of, of definitions of what the word glory implied. Now in the New Testament Greek, it's the word doxa. And uh, oh, by the way, if you hear some thundering, it's because it's thundering here and we didn't want to hold up getting this broadcast out. So, we, you know, we're moving right ahead with it. So don't, don't start adjusting your computer. And, uh, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's just thunder. It's not the glory of God. Uh, but uh, anyhow, <clears throat> so, but it was interesting. When I started looking at these words, at, at all of these vast concepts of the glory of God, there were certain functional words that caught my attention. That's what always catches my attention. I'm not interested in the abstract. I am not interested in something that I can do nothing about. I am not interested in something that does not in some way, you know, magnify God to me and cause me to see and experience God as He is or that doesn't improve my life. What is the point? You know, we waste our time searching out theology. And you know, one of the questions I always ask people is like, so you know, when people are all jacked up about what does this really mean? And they got some idea about what something means. They want to argue about it. You know, my question is always this. Even if you're right, what difference is this going to make in how you live your life? What difference is this going to make in the capacity for you to allow God to work in and through you? So, <clears throat> so I always look for the functional. So I, I noticed in this in these couple of pages of explaining the glory of God, That it was the view, so the view of God. Uh, So, see, God has a view. We have a view. Guess whose view is real? His view is real. Our view is distorted by our emotions, by our uh, uh, limited understanding, by the corrupt beliefs of our heart. And uh, I don't want my concept of reality, and I don't want the version of reality that I experience... To be limited to how, I, how I'm seeing and experiencing the world through my limited beliefs. But also, not only the word view, but it was the word opinion. And so, God has an opinion. Now, the glory of God, which is, go, is going to be reality as God sees it, re, reality uh, that is in harmony with God's opinion. But it's really interesting, so it's the view, it's the opinion. And it is the reality. Man, I'll never forget the first time I ever saw that. I'm telling you, it changed everything. Because, you know, I just I just read that scripture, not for the first time, but I'd read it and spoke to me for the first time where someone came to Jesus and said, look what I need to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, well, what does the scripture say and how do you read it? And for the first time, I don't know why I hadn't seen that for so many years, but for the first time, suddenly it's like, whoa. It's not just what the scripture says. It's how I interpret the scripture, how I view the scripture. The limitations in our life are all based on the limitations we place on God's word and ultimately on God because of the way we interpret his word. Listen, that's why I wrote the book Ten words that'll change everything you know about God is because people have definitions of words that limit God, that pervert who God is, that pervert His character, pervert His nature, and, and and once you have a limited view of God, then you we become just like the children of Israel that the Bible says uh, uh, that they limited. The Holy One of Israel. And the main reason they limited the Holy One of Israel, they were not steadfast or established in His covenant. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm established in the covenant of peace. God made peace with me through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I am in Jesus, therefore I I only experience from God what Jesus experiences, and everything else, everything else, is life, is circumstances, is situations, or is my beliefs that are not in harmony with God. <clears throat> so. I want, to, I want to live in God's reality. You know, heaven is God's reality. Heaven on earth is God's reality. Anything less than that is really not God's reality. Therefore, it is, in fact, not God's glory. Now, you hear me talk about this a lot. We're not trying to get God to do anything. You know, people who are trying to get God to do something, they don't believe that He already has done something. Well, if I don't believe God has, already has given me everything that pertains to life and godliness, then what, what am I saying about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? I'm, I'll tell you what I'm saying. I'm saying God's got to do something else. God's got to do something better. Well, the Bible says that He has given us all things that pertain to life and God's through the knowledge, the experience. Now, if you didn't, if you hadn't listened to last week's broadcast, stop now, go back and listen to last week's broadcast. Through the experiential knowledge, we have everything that pertains to life as God views it, life as God says it should be, uh, is ours when we experience the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished for us. So, <clears throat> so. What we're trying to get people to do is not try to believe that God will do something, not try to believe that God, you know, will give us something. But really what we're trying to do is we are seeking to harmonize ourselves or get in step with what God has already done. It's sort of like, you know, when when the Bible says walk in the spirit, that means get in step, get your pace with the spirit, sync up with the spirit of God, speak, sync up with the truth of what we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> when you look at the world and, and how the world responds to the church, I want you to understand the reason the world hates God. I mean, there's obviously the wicked who just love wickedness and, and, uh, uh, love power, they love corruption, but that's, that's really probably not a great number of people in the world, percentage-wise. The majority of people in the world that really are turned off to God, they are turned off to God because of the church, just like the nations of the world were turned off to God because of Israel. And, you know, and God said and, and, I, and Isaiah 53, why, why, why are people moaning? Why do they go into captivity for no reason at all? Why do they blaspheme my name continuously? Well, it was because of the oppression that they went through. Well, the nation of Israel was under the oppression you know, of an invader, but the people of Israel were under the, under the oppression of legalistic leaders. That Jesus said, uh, just bound people up with burdens and and add it to the weight, and didn't didn't all, didn't lift one finger to help them with the burdens that they had. Basically, our the church's gospel is not the gospel at all. You say, well, wait a minute. I'm not I'm not talking about every church. I'm not talking about every preacher. I'm talking about when. Pastors stand up and say, "God will kill somebody in your family to teach you something." When they stand up and say, "You know, uh, uh, start following God is going to get hard, so you better you better you better get ready." Or they say, "Now, don't ever say you don't want to do something because if God hears you say that, He's He's going to make you do it." And you know, and God is going to use oppression and pain and suffering. I want you to know. Not only is that not gospel, that is Luciferian demonic teaching. And it is that very approach to the gospel, because the word gospel means good news. There's no good news in it. It is that that turns people away from God. You know, Romans 2 verse 4 says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now man, I'm telling you, I would love to spend a couple of hours on the biblical concept of repentance. Again, you know the religious concept of, a, of repentance is, oh, you need to feel ashamed. You need to feel remorse. You need to feel guilt. You know, you need to suffer. You need to, you know, you need to feel like a worm. That, that has nothing to do with, with repentance. You know, repentance is where you change your mind about something. But repentance, honestly, is more about turning to God that it is just about turning away from something else. It is a turnaround. But see, when you turn toward God, you have turned your back on everything destructive. When you have turned toward God, you are walking into the provision, the abundance, the protection of God. And you have turned your back on everything destructive and on everything that the world and sin and death would try to pile onto your life. And <clears throat> but here's the thing. Why would people turn away from what's giving them pleasure for the moment? I mean, it's, it's causing them pain in the long run. Why would people turn away from the sin they enjoy to turn to a god that they're told is going to make them suffer? Turn to a god that's going to that's going to hurt them, going to bring pain in, into their life? Well, I'm tell you what, they they're, they're not going to because. Number one, walking with God is all about faith and faith is trusting God and faith works by love, which means you're going to have faith in God to the degree that you trust the fact that He loves you and trust the fact that He's a good God. You see, the better people see and perceive God, the, the more quickly and the more permanently they're going to turn to Him to experience That goodness. Keep in mind, you know, the Apostle Paul talked about people having a repentance that was based on the sorrow of the world. You know, back in the 80s, oh man, it was a nightmare. Every, it seemed like every big name preacher in America almost was getting caught in immorality or theft or something. And, uh, you know, you'd see them on television and they're just crying and, oh, they are so sorry. And, And, you know, here was the interesting thing is you didn't really ever see many of them talk about, you know, the character flaws that got them in those situations. You didn't, you didn't see them, you know, talking about their commitments to, to godliness and character. You just, you just heard them talk about how ashamed and sad and sorry they were, you know, for their sin. Well, that's, you know, the sorrow of the world is just simply being sorry that you're having to live in the consequences of getting caught. You know, everybody repents when they get caught. But, you know, the Apostle Paul says, listen, there's a sorrow of the world that works death. There's a sorrow of the world that leads to repentance, but it ends up in death. But he says, but he says, godly sorrow leads to a repentance not to be repented of. In other words, it leads to a turning that you're not going to turn back from. You know, <clears throat> the sorrow of getting caught means I'm sorry about it now. I'm going to act better. But, but just as soon as the pain is gone, you're going to go back to doing the same things you've always done. Listen, it is the goodness of God that draws us to God in a way that says, man, you know what? I want to be like God. I want to be around God. I want to hang with God. You know, I, 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 I want to be with Him. I want to know Him. I want to experience these promises. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's the promises. You know, in other words, the goodness. It's the promises of God that actually delivers us from the destruction that's in the world because of our lust. You know, having lust is not sin because the word lust just means desire. We've all got desires And, and most of our desires that get us in trouble are natural desires, but they are natural desires that the church told us was evil. And so, you know, the desire for success, that's a God given desire. So the question is, are you gonna walk in God's integrity to have success? Or are you going to cheat, still lie to have success? You know the sex drive. That's man. That's that's a God gave us that drive, gave us that ability, gave us that capacity. So <clears throat> the question is: Are you going to discover how to fulfill that in a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman? Or are you going to gratify your flesh in some way that you are just convinced this is the best way to do that? You're going to find good and evil for yourself, totally independent of God. So you see. If you believe God is good and that God will fulfill all of your deepest desires in, in, in a way that, that gets better and better and better and better and better, that's the goodness of God. So you're going to repent. You're going to turn to God and turn your back on the way you're trying to do this. You know, the word goodness, of course, it has to do with, you know, with all these pleasing, desirable, appealing, you know, concepts. But the, the word itself, here's an interesting thing about the word goodness. The word goodness, anytime you see the word goodness or good in the Bible, you need to think harmony because goodness is something that is only accomplished in harmony with God. In other words, <clears throat> the glory of God, his view, have I aligned my view of life with God's view? Have I aligned my view of God with what God says about himself? Have I aligned my view of myself with what God says about me? You know, so that, that's harmony. So view and opinion. Have I surrendered my opinions to God's opinions? That's harmony. You know, have I accepted the fact that my reality is an illusion unless it matches God's reality. Everything I think is real, the way I see and experience what I call reality is an illusion if it is not in harmony with what God says reality is. You know, if you're not experiencing yourself as healed, then you have a different version of reality than God does. Now, I'm not condemning you for it. I'm not telling you to beat yourself up. If you're not, con- if you're not experiencing yourself as, as prospering, and I realize that's a, that's a relative term, but you know, man, there's hundreds of scriptures about God's desire not, you know, to bring you into prosperity. It's part of the promises that we have. And so if I'm not prospering, <clears throat> then uh, that, that part of my life, is, that's, not, that's not God's reality. I, it's, it's an illusion. It's something that I've created based on my limiting beliefs, my limiting life experience. So you know, I, So I can go through any of the names of God that are fulfilled to me in Jesus. If I am not living a righteous life If I don't don't see and experience myself as a righteous person, that's an illusion if I'm in Jesus. So goodness always has to do with harmony. Now in the Hebrew, one of the things you do in translating Hebrew words is you always look at the letters that comprise the root word. And every letter in the root word has its own definition and you put those definitions together and it takes you to a whole different depth of how to translate that word. <clears throat> but one of the things you always want to realize, there's a light side and dark side to every word. There's a light side and a dark side to every letter. And you can go to the dark side or to the light side based on what you believe about God. The uh, the Hebrew word for goodness, the root word, is spelt tet. And the word tet, of course, which always has to do with harmony with God, is it's um, it's. All that God does is good and, and, and is designed to bring us into harmony with God and to funnel His goodness through us into the world. So, so it's goodness that's based on harmonizing with God that, and it's a goodness that flows through us and it's the way that, that we relate to others. That word tet also has to do with the concept of, of, uh, of creation. Now, the vav is the second letter, which, which is, can, can be sometimes pronounced as A-W. And the Vav is a picture of a tent peg, and it has to do with, with connection and, and, and kind of nailing something down. And, and it's a, the tent peg, the Vav represents the connection between heaven and earth. So as a man, when I connect with God, with a man whenever i surrender my opinion to god's opinion i now create a harmony between heaven and earth that's what jesus taught us to do which by the way you know my 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 second book on the kingdom will be will be coming out in a few months as a matter of fact in october we'll be having a, a heart physics weekend and we're going to be talking about meditative prayer and i'll be releasing my book on, on the keys to the kingdom. And uh, because the keys to the kingdom are all about knowing how to harmonize heaven and earth. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is our job to establish and harmonize here in our lives what God has already established in heaven, the reality that he has already created in heaven. So, <clears throat> and then the the last letter is, is the bet. Now, the bet uh, always represents a house, that's filled with the presence of God or a heart that's filled with the presence of God. And the interesting thing about this, because, because the bet relates to the house, it's always a place of beginning. It's always a place of like, like new creation because as, you know, as a believer, the new creation starts in our heart because we believe something in our heart and then it manifests in all of the rest of our being. So, <clears throat> so uh, the goodness of God... This, this, this wonderful way that God treats people is what makes us able to trust Him, is what brings us to this place of repentance, is what brings us to this shift in our heart, which brings us into a harmony between heaven and earth. Now, the problem is, the way we look at and treat sin, you know, uh, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, when you look up the word sin in the Greek, harmartia, The definition basically means to fall short of the glory of God. Now falling short of the glory of God. And usually what people, what people do is, is they, they put the emphasis on falling short and the emphasis is all on the negative. It's all on what you've done wrong. It's all on how you've messed up. But really the emphasis that the word of God puts on is what you missed out on. Now, if the Glory of God, and we talked about this last week, when Moses wanted to see God, God hit him in the cleft of the rock and passed by him. And what Moses perceived and saw and experienced was God's goodness. So if I'm falling short of the glory of God, I am failing to perceive how good God is. If I'm failing to perceive how good God is, then I don't repent. I don't turn to God. I don't wrap myself around God. I don't build my life on God's Word. I don't make God the center of my universe, the center of my beliefs, the center of all things. Instead, I, you know, I kind of try to hold on to God and then I try to go out here and get the good life the best way possible. And so what we've done to ourselves and what we've done to the world is we've tried to frighten them into coming to an angry, short-tempered God and get them to come to Him and surrender. And this is, what pagan, this is what pagan religions were all about. This is about what idolatry was all about. This is what all the pagan gods did. We'll kill you if you don't surrender to us. That's not what God offers. But you see, we're not showing people how good God was in the same way that Jesus was showing people how good God was. Now listen, again, if you're a person who wants to be a disciple, if you're a person who wants to take this beyond just what we're able to cover in these broadcasts, because we're only able to cover so much, then, then you've you got several options. You can get my book, 10 Words That Will Change Everything You Know About God. You can get the series. There's not a lot of overlap in the book and the series. And As a matter of fact, if you purchase both the book and the series, I'm going to give you uh, free access for a limited time to the 10-word seminar that Kaim Ventura and I did right here in Huntsville, Alabama, because, man, I'm telling you what, I'm, I want to bathe your mind with how good God is. I want to get to where no matter what's going on in your life, you are absolutely sure that God is good, and you are not going to let all of, these, all of these religious definitions steal from you what Jesus died and conquered death to give you. Listen. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Be sure, tell me, give me some comments about how this is helping you. And like this so that other, if you're watching on YouTube, so other people see it. And be sure and share this. Man, there's hurting people out there that need to hear this message. And if you want to make sure you get it every week, you can either subscribe on YouTube or you can go to impactministries.com and be sure and get on my uh, uh, my email list. And every week you'll get a link to a new program that's going to help establish you in the love of God. I'll be talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.